Hello, 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 how are we? Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for coming around. We're talking about some real stuff with some real people, working real jobs, living real lives. Maybe we'll get some real laughs, maybe not. Not up to us. We don't really care either way. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied as always is by Tom Byers. Today is part two of the interview extravaganza with the one and only Peter Joseph McCormick III. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. Let's get started. All right, now, shake. I know this is the second time we've got this just beautiful masculine human being on this podcast. I wish yes. everyone could get to look at him as much as we do, but to kick it off, I have another great story just about how good this guy is. It's not a half an hour long, but <laughs> still pretty good. So it's, it's even longer. Lay it on me, man. Yep. So this guy, this tells you the quality human being this guy is. So I was working at a bar that we all know called Vinny T's, right? Vinny T's is on the main line in Ardmore. Pete lived at the time in North Wales. He was still in college, right? I think he was close to graduating, right? I didn't drive, right, at the time. So I'm working, and I'm actually working as a chef. And what happened was is I had gotten a call from my stepmom telling me, like, she was like, look, this your dad's in a lot of trouble. Like, he's really sick and something's going on and you know like you need to know like this could be it right so right away Mm -hmm. all bach and i'm like bach what i need you to call applebee's and tell tom what's going on so he calls applebee's and tell tom bach was in no condition to do anything so i had to call someone to get a ride to go to the hospital so who did i call the one and only peter joseph mccormick the third and he showed up he actually did a stop to get beer on the way to the hospital, which was great, you know, and he was able to drop us off, but he didn't ask, you know, no questions asked, showed up when you needed him. You can't ask for a better guy or a better friend than that to come in the clutch. My dad ended up coming through being all right, but still to be dropped, you know, drop of a hat to show up for a friend like that. That's the kind of kind of stuff real men are made of, you know, questions asked too. That's that's clutch. So I want to bring him back. I'm going to reintroduce one of the best guys in town. It's once and only Peter Joseph McCormick. I know you're doing well as always. You got your beautiful wife hanging out in your house doing your thing. Uh, Before we do the introduction, I just want to know, have you revised your opinion about Bohemian Rhapsody or do you still think it's the biggest piece of shit movie ever made? I'm not saying it's the greatest movie ever made. It's just the greatest musical movie ever made. God damn it, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> you dirty bastard. No, that's really? well put. That's well put. You've never seen movies. <laughs> You've never seen any other movie ever with music. My God, it is so bad. I couldn't. I, I, I'm not I a love fan of newsies. I, just never. It wasn't my thing. Scumbag. Yeah. You scumbag. <laughs> Two strikes. You're not a big fan of you know, you know, newsboys going against some insurmountable odds against uh, you know Robert Duvall. Come on. Look, all I'm saying is, you was rooting for the newspaper. That's yeah, I, I was, I'm like, bust up that union, get the scabs in there. <laughs> get back to work. Break up your Jeff caps and get back to work, kids. Who do you think kids in China are pulling this crap? They're delivering newspapers all the time. Now is the time to seize the day. And the call of Surprisingly beautiful newsboys. Excellent dancing. Perfect, that was 
I've seen American Psycho. I know what you become. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Batman. You New Yorker with yeah. weird British accents. Yeah. <laughs> you New Yorker that seemed like he had a speech impediment because he couldn't hide his accent. And <laughs> all you guys with your slingshots. But yeah. You know, and, when I was a kid, I, I used to get it confused with a movie called The Quest with Jean Claude Van Damme. Jean Claude Van Damme. The international superstar of Universal Soldier, nowhere to run, hard target, time cop, and sudden death is back in an epic adventure, an action thriller, an explosive thrill ride, a fast, furious, and entertaining film unlike any you've ever seen before. The Quest. Because they dress the same way. And that movie I really like. So when Newsies will come on... <laughs> Like 30 minutes in, there's no Jean-Claude Van Damme. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? They're just delivering newspapers and fighting for their rights? We need the Van Damme <laughs> Like, who has, what newspaper guys? Like, I mean, imagine if they did have Jean-Claude, though. That union is stand. Well, if they, what if the newspaper guy was smart and brought in Jean-Claude to break up the union? Yeah. That union's done. You'd have to have uh, Chuck Norris or maybe Seagal. On the other side. Or maybe That's both. It. You yeah, know, jeez. Yeah. You yeah, might even have to bring in Prime Ar- Arnold, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Maybe. I remember when we used to live together, Pete, this shows just how valued your opinion should be about movies. But either way, you this uh, when we used to live together, Pete was a big fan of a nice Steven Seagal marathon. Like, <laughs> a big fan. Like, all of them. I think <laughs> no, we had... We had it on. We had like a big on demand. I think we had all the on demands of like the movie channels at the time. He oh, went. Yeah. I, I think he watched every Steven Seagal movie three times a day. It was unreal. Oh, it, it hasn't changed. Like Seagal is the perfect action star because like he doesn't do this whole. <laughs> oh my god, I'm losing crap. He is just kicking ass all the time. It doesn't matter the odds. Yeah. Like the most- he was supposed to be in Bohemian Rhapsody, but they, oh, they my couldn't god. figure out. <laughs> Look, they couldn't. Fi- they didn't want the movie to be too good. Yeah, he the universe the would collapse there. upon itself. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Seagal, have you guys seen his maybe, I think it came out like a year ago or two years ago, but he, now he does these movies where he's like a, uh, he's like a trained army mercenary, which I guess he always was in these movies, but it's more weapons based. Whereas back in the day he would do it was like hand-to-hand. hand-to-hand combat, mm-hmm. but now it's all weapons based. And this, this recent <laughs> one. He does the whole movie from a chair. He shoots the whole movie. So every scene just happens to make sense for him to be in a chair shooting people. It's well, it I mean he does look him. like he was so lazy he didn't even want to get out of a chair. <laughs> he does look like you know Chris Farley in Beverly Hills Ninja now. So he kind of doesn't really does have he really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And that not is agile. Uh, did I didn't didn't he do a thing too a few years ago where he tried to teach special forces guys hand to hand combat? He was like, actually a sh- well. Remember we had that show? He was a sheriff in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, and oh he's teaching goodness. these guys like hand to hand combat. That's unreal. That's what, so good. What were you gonna he, say, Shake? Before I interrupted you, there's also a Russell Crowe movie that came out like just last week. I, I think it's called. Oh, is that the one where he's like uh, he's like a road rage? One? Yeah, I, it, okay. it's not called Road Rage, but it's like I it's don't like know. the Rampage or something. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I haven't seen Russell, it, but I, I know Russell Crowe is an absolute balloon in, in this. Thing. Oh, really? Gigantic! 
And the tagline is a great tagline. It's he can happen to anybody. Which I think is a great tagline. <laughs> it's like, are they talking a about of him in a, in a pickup truck looking really pissed off? What was that? What was that movie with him and Gosling that they did? Uh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Like those guys or something. The good guys, guys or the good other guys, guys or good guys. Dude, the such guys, a yeah. great flick. Great yeah. flick. Really good. Mm-hmm. See, I don't. I, I can't watch anything with Ryan Gosling because I just picture the kid from uh, what, what was the football movie? Remember the Titans, yeah, like, where yeah. he's like playing the country music. Come on, I know you like this one, boy. Yeah, and, like, yeah. <laughs> and he does the the dance on the. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll defend Gosling to the grave, man. He couldn't, and he couldn't cover. They had to get Don, Donald Faison to be the cornerback. He could. Yeah, he's very practical. practical. He's yeah. very practical. Look yeah. in the Battle of Ryan's. I'm a Ryan Reynolds man myself. That, that, that's Oof. my Ryan. Oh, no, 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 no one's got any love for Seacrest anymore. I mean, what happened to him? <laughs> Seacrest, great. Seacrest, some people say Seacrest is the Bohemian Rhapsody of Ryan's. Matt, you might not know this, but Ryan Seacrest was actually a very good football player in high school. Was he really? When I used to live with you, Tom had some book on like random uh, shitty Notre Dame players from the 90s because I guess that's what he was into. And one oh. of the guys was teammates with Seacrest. So maybe he really? wasn't that good. He just happened to play with somebody else that got into right. a book. What about – I know that uh, – who's the dude from The Office? Joel – Joel, uh, the tall dude from The Office. Or not The Office. John Krasinski. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Uh, from Community. Sorry. The tall oh, Joel McHale. Joel McHale. He played D1 football. Really? Yeah, I think he played at like a Pac-12 school too. I think it was like maybe Washington or something like that. Yeah. I guess that's not surprising. He's big and cut up. Oh, he's huge. He's a mo- I mean, he's a big dude. I think he, but he redshirted. I think I, I remember listening to that on a uh, Fighter and the Kid or something like that. But yeah. So another thing, I wanted to see what you guys thought about this. Um, you know how sometimes you'll go into YouTube, right, and you'll be watching stuff, and eventually you just go on like a riff of watching like videos that you're like, what? How am I still watching these things, right? Mm-hmm. I've been watching clips from the show while and out Nick Cannon's oh, while and out. And I'm not going to lie. There's some shit on there that I am howling laughing at. Like there's some stuff that there's a lot of things I don't understand. Like I had to ask Ilvia what a thought was. Do you guys know what a thought that uh, is? So, I know the term. I don't know what it T- means. So T H O T right. Thought. Yeah. I had no idea. They keep bringing it up. I was like, what? I understand that it's like a, like a slut or whatever. Right. And they're like, you know, that thought over there, whatever they're saying. And I asked my wife, right, who's like basically a nun, what a thought is. And she's like, oh, yeah, that hoe over there is what it means. <laughs> that hoe over there. She thought. knows the slang, man. I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, that's what you got. She graduated from Northeast High School. But yeah. That's so, right. Nor- <laughs> Northeast or North Catholic? <laughs> Northeast. Are you kidding North me? Italian. She's 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 Islam. She's not going anywhere near North Catholic. <laughs> Well, they used to call they used to call they North Catholic thoughts and prayers. <laughs> no, they called North Catholic thoughts and prayers. <laughs> oh my god! Not really. It, it was an all guys school, but I thought the joke worked. Oh, thoughts and great. prayers was actually uh, Saint Hubert's. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, dude, is that not the? That's a, a stereotype that is one hundred percent correct. Is that all Catholic school girls are uh, hooas? Except Big for my guy. sisters, and except for <laughs> except for Bowers' wife, 
and, and all of our sisters who all yeah. went to Catholic school. My, so this is true. We just we just destroyed all of our sisters real quick. This is the best story about my dad. One of them is that so Natalie only ever brought over one guy to the house, right? So they're over and they're sitting in our living room watching TV, right? And my dad's there. And they're just sitting there watching TV. Nothing's going on, right? They're just sitting there watching TV, like talking. My dad goes and he ha- he's like has dinner and he has like his plate and stuff. He goes and sits in between them on the couch and he starts <laughs> eating, right? And then Natalie like gets up like mortified and like goes to my mom like, mom, oh my God, he's like, what is he doing? He's embarrassing me, right? So like while she's away, the dude that she brought tries to talk to my dad, right? And he's like, and, he, and he's like, so what do you think of this? My dad just goes, he just, he, he puts his like shit down and he looks at him. He's like, you want to shut the fuck up? I'm trying to watch this. And it was the, the first and only time she ever brought a guy over the house. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. That's, so that's something else. Yeah. So there you go. They don't, I mean, I can't wait if my daughter does that. I cannot wait to do that. Something like that. I remember, Shake, you told a great story about when you were in the basement with a chick in like seventh grade. What did the dad do? <laughs> uh, he he came down and he opened up some secret hatch and had like a gun closet, like a what it, like a gun safe, but it was behind like a painting. Yeah, and you couldn't even tell it was there, and he started cleaning a bunch of like rifles and stuff. And, stuff like and and I gotta be honest with you, the weird thing is, is that I didn't know what the hell he was doing until like halfway through it. So I was like just acting, you know, typical nervous like middle school yeah. kid, yeah, uh, with a girl in the basement for like the first time, you know, yeah, ever in my life. And I got this to deal with, but I didn't think that I was like reacting the way that he wanted me to. (laughs) He really started to like intensify it and like really like he started like holding it weirdly and like kind of joculating. And he's like dry firing it at you and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's that's so good. And the thing is, I was just such a moron that I was like, in, I was like impervious <laughs> to his to his intimidation. He's like, man, this guy's guns are really dirty. Maybe you should help him out. Yeah. And eventually, he just put them all away and went back upstairs. <laughs> so. Still, hell of a move. Hell of a move. Yeah. Right. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. He gives the old quip like, "Oh, and this one doesn't shoot blanks," and you're like, "Yeah, why would it shoot blanks?" Stuff. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> He's like, my, I would love a shake if you were like bullshitting with him, right? He's like, yeah, this gun doesn't have any blanks. And you're like, yeah, mine doesn't either, you know? <laughs> He's like, just ask your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the best. So, and it must have been like a really bad day for him. Like I said, we were in middle school. This must have been like the first time this guy, like you were saying, Matt, like I can't wait for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, your daughter has somebody come over the house. Which this better not be until she's 30. Yeah. <laughs> this guy must have been like, oh shit, this is, it's finally happening. Like it's on, here we go. And my dumb ass comes walking in, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably wearing like some Iversons yeah, and, yeah. you know, like an oversized like, NBA jersey. Looking like a total slamoose. Yeah. Just yeah. walking in. Hey, you, hey, I'm Tom. How are you? Hey, nice to meet you. It's me. Tom. My daughter yeah. brings over this guy. He's half her height. You know, <laughs> so Pete, do your your wife? The do, how do does her parents like you? 
Yeah, they love me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I don't know. What about uh, does Jill? What about Jill's mom? Is she a big fan of you, Shake? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I've been I've been with Jill since junior year of high school. So yeah, oh. kind of, you're yeah, you're pretty much an adopted Yeah, we kind of. It's like a cliche thing to say, but we really like grew up with each other and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess just like all the facade, all of like the pleasantries have worn away. So now yeah. it's just like a regular, if you've seen in movies where people are mean to their in-laws, that's kind of, it's what I, what I'm, the point I'm at now where I can be yeah. very mean, <laughs> mean to my Jeez. in-laws. I don't think yeah, I could My in-laws are great. Uh, they, they're, they're down with me. Um, yeah. I, I was just talking to Jill, but I, I don't know about you guys. How does it work with you guys with your... Do you see your in-laws as legitimate in-laws, like the cliche, like who connotation me? of in-laws? Yeah, Both of you. I, I I live with my in-laws, and so in Albanian culture, the mom and so my wife's Albanian for our listeners who didn't know, uh, but the it, so she was born and raised in Albania and didn't move here until she was fourteen, right? So in Albanian culture, the mom and the daughter are best friends. Also, in Albanian culture, they're very like morally sound. Like they're you if you went to Albania, I don't care if you're Leonardo DiCaprio, there is no one night stands happening in Albania. They don't play that, right? Like they don't play if you're a girl and you're caught like like if you have multiple relationships, not even like having sex with guys, but like say you dated a guy and then it didn't work out. Like if you were public about dating a guy and then broke up and it didn't work out and we're public, like you're considered used goods, even if you guys weren't banging or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, so they like, know what they're talking about over there. Exactly. They, they, the women over there know how to be respectful and handle themselves. <laughs> oh, right. So, so you don't, you don't foresee in the next season of girls to be uh, taking place in Albania. is what Well, you're it's funny you mention that because Albania, so Albania was a communist country until the mid nineties, right. Or the early nineties. And so they took a little while to rebound and now they're very much like Westernized where they have like a form of like the bachelor now, which is like the number one show in Albania, but they're very, very, it's very different. My wife, she's very much morally sound and like very much family oriented. Right. So her, her and her mom are legit best friends. Like they talk like five times a day and like constantly are talking all the time. Like they're legit each other's best friends. Right. Like when I moved in before it was kind of like my wife and her mom and then they they have her have a brother too but he's like he's married and doing his thing but it was always like if the dad says something it was kind of like a two on one with my wife and my mother-in-law kind of going against him now that I'm here he's like all right another man like I moved in right away he built us a shower and it's a men's only shower and it's the <laughs> best shower ever right how does how is that enforced uh they're just not allowed in there <laughs> I thought you were like you know how a urinal is clearly a men's yeah. bathroom device. I thought there was some sort of apparatus. No. It's just like it's just like a standing shower, but we both like he built it right, and like while we were building it, he was like, "Look, we're hooking this thing up." He's like, "We're putting brand new pipes from the water heater because we live in a row home, you know, so it's like a hundred something years old." So the shower on the second floor, like you guys all know the deal with like you know older homes and and trying to get a hot shower. You know what I'm saying? Like the littlest thing could screw you. Like if someone runs the water while you're in the shower, I could murder them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So 
if we're but like he's like we're hooking up the pipes directly into the hot water heater that go right into the shower so it's like instant hot water and it stays hot the whole time so that's incredible and then like he invested in like the waterfall water fount or waterfall type of shower head so we have that now and like we have like a bunch of you know it's just the best shower and it's kind of our shower and no one else is allowed to use it which is nice (laughs) but then also if there's like arguments and stuff but either way but so as far as like her mom, like I, her mom loves me. She says it all the time. Like you're, you know, like, you know, you're like my son and I love you and all that stuff. And me and her dad are like boys, like, you know, like we'll hang out and stuff. Like when I went to Albania, he's like, her dad's like a big deal. So imagine this, right? They lived in Albania during the communist era. So this is how it went. They had a TV. The TV had one channel and the channel was on from, I think it was like from like 10 in the morning until and the TV and the channel ended at eight at night. So it was one channel that played from 10 in the morning till eight at night. I don't know if there's the exact hours, but that's it. Right. So if you were ever on TV, you're a megastar, right? It's not like it's, you can choose between NBC, ABC, Fox, whatever. It's one channel, right? So if they're showing something, everyone's watching it. There's no choosing something else. Right. So her dad is this super famous dancer who led this Albanian folk dancing group. Right. So he's like a big deal. Like we went to a couple museums and like they're showing like him in the museum dancing in the museums. Right. Like he's yeah. He like we went to one. Right. And it was this museum in Kruja and it was this this uh, Italian made villa that was like, it was Italian style villa that was like thousands of years old that was still being like there. And it was like still like running and they showed you everything in it and whatever, but they had TVs in there that showed like authentic Albanian style dancing and authentic Albanian attire. And it was her dad. This is in Albania. And it was her, it was her dad dancing in it. And they were like, Holy shit, that's our dad. And the dude who's running the museum, he's like that guy. That guy is number one dancer in Albania. And here, dancing is like, you know, it's a big deal. But there, it's massive. Because the way they would do it, dancing is very much like a competitive thing. So, say you're getting married, right? Weddings there are off the chain. It's like Mardi Gras on steroids, right? They're three days long. There's like a thousand people that are coming to your wedding. It's massive. The reason is, is because it used to be like the joining of villages way, way back in the day. And they still carry that tradition. So like if a girl from one village is marrying a guy from another, the people from that village, they're trying to show out and trying to show off and show you like, look, we got the best food, we got the best clothes, we got the best people and we got the best dancers. Right. So they have when they show up to, to go, they're going. So dancing is like a huge thing. And they have like all these different types of dances from all these different parts of Albania. But his was number one, like their troop was number one. They went to like London, Paris, France, Italy, Rome. Like, like um, they've been to all over America. That's actually how he came here and everything like that. But he was like massive star. They were on the TV all the time, right? So, like what years are you thinking for this? Like 80s into the 90s? Oh yeah, they've, she- they've shown me on YouTube the videos. They had like a yearly thing. It was like the spring festival and his troupe would dance and they had like VHSs uh, that were coffee to DVDs of him and his troupe dancing yearly at this festival on the one TV channel that played for 12 hours a day, right? That was, this was the only thing you could watch on the channel. So, and it was the big, their big country, like spring festival and he's on the TV front and center 
so millions of people in Albania are watching him, right? That's so, pretty awesome. Yeah, so when we went to Albania, right? This is me this is still me telling how he likes me so much. But <laughs> we went to Albania, right? And we're there and we were there for her brother's wedding. And it was like honestly Shake, you went to our wedding and you thought ours was awesome and like mm -hmm. crazy. There, it has nothing compared to theirs. So, either way, they have this huge, massive like the wedding's big, right? And he's there. And when he gets there, all his boys are like, "Let's ride!" And he's like, "Legit." He goes there. First thing he does is get his phone card switched and put his SIM card in, and he's just going. He's getting numbers, and he's just legit, just bouncing around, like hanging out with all his boys because he's a big deal, and everyone's like hanging out. He had like a dancing school and like all these things. So one of the the last week we're there, his boys set up this huge party where they rented out a restaurant. It was like 20 guys, and they had like they got the table, and it's like, dude, like every, like you're going out. They had it was like an eight course meal, right? So they had like a huge eight course meal, tons of booze, tons of food. And like they they hired like a band to do dancing. And then there was like it was they had run out most of the restaurant. I think there was like one other table. But either way, all his boys are also from the dancing troupe. So they're going out there and these are like 50 year old men doing like one handed flips. Right. And like some like some guys holding his hand, the other guys doing a flip. And they're doing like all these crazy Albanian dances and they're going nuts all over the place. Right. And there's just like one song that they would play that I kind of knew at the wedding. And like I brought the house down with it. Right. It's called Kukatsitirona. Right. So they play that song and they're like, Mateo, they call me Mateo. They're like, Mateo, come on, you dance with us. So I went out and they wanted me to dance by myself in front of all of them. Right. So I know like two moves. You know Tell what me, I mean? Did, did you do the move? Oh, small circles. Yeah. You bet your goddamn ass I did. <laughs> that was the first move I did. Small circles, Woo! right? <laughs> so either way, I'm in the middle of dancing and I'm, I'm drowning. So one of his best friends, this guy, Johnny, Johnny comes out. He saves me. He's like, Mateo, just do what I do. And I just did all the steps he did, tried to at least, right? And then afterwards, it was like the scene from Rocky Four at the end after he beats Drago and he's speaking to the Russians, right? So Johnny's like, Mateo, you've been had a great time here. Just tell everyone what you think about Albania, right? So I'm like, he's like, you say it and I'll translate. So I was like, you know, Albania is just the best. Like I was saying, like Albania is an incredible country. The people of Albania have been a family to me and all this stuff, right? So bring the house down with that. That was great. Blew the roof off the place, right? And then afterwards, like, uh, you know, we're done and we're partying and we leave. He's like, Mateo. You're the man, you know? So that was like just a show of like how much he likes me. So when we're here, like I'll talk to him and stuff and we'll talk about sports and everything like that. But yeah, me and him. So yeah, that was just a long way of saying that. I think her parents think I'm okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but her, my, my mom, my mom legit is infatuated with Ilvia. So to, <laughs> this is a funny story, I guess. My mom told <laughs> Ilvia not to settle for me when we got married oh, man. Before, like before we got married we were we were moving oh, in together you gotta but do we, the impression if you're gonna bring your mom up the, the people at home want the impression oh so, so okay so like me and ilvia were getting ready to move in together right and ilvia like i won't call my mom for months you know what i mean it's just like i don't know i don't know if you guys do the same thing where it's like yeah i'll talk to her whenever right but ilvia legit talks to my mom once or twice a week right so and this is before we were even married when we were just dating like they like hit it off like right away 
right? So we were taught, like, one day she's talking to Ilvia, and she's like, you know what, Ilvia? I know you're moving in with Matthew, but I don't want you to settle, okay? Don't think you have to settle, all right? I love my son. He's great, but just don't settle. You're a great girl. You're a great girl. So eventually, yeah, eventually Ilvia does settle for me, and we do get married, and we live together now and have a child. But, yeah, so that's always fun to bring up to my mom. To be like, hey, mom. Uh, yeah, you've seen some past relationships go not so good. So maybe <laughs> you might want to help me out here a little, you know? Jesus. So, yeah. So, yeah. Back, man. Well, I mean, you know, now Ilvia signed the contract. So, whatever. Her ass ain't going nowhere. Now you're but, stuck with you. Yeah. Now my mom's like, God damn it. That was my one chance to get rid of him. Ship him <laughs> off. You can come so, over for the holidays, but try to leave Matthew at home if you can. Yeah. Look, Ilvia, you're here. You're invited here all the time. Love having you. Don't bring him over. I don't want to see him. Maybe date one of the, my other boys. Yeah. I got, uh, I got, what about my youngest? He's a cutie, right? Huh? You seen him? <laughs> uh, all right. But either way, so Pete, what about you? So <laughs> Pete, so for those of you who don't know, Pete's parents are incredible people. This like, if you ever were to see, and Shake, I, I would put your parents in the same category, where if you were to look up salt of the earth, that's those are the best people going. They're still together this day. They're both Catholic. Does your dad still go to church every Sunday, Pete? Every Sunday. Shake, no, well, too, right? a lot of times he goes on Saturdays. He prefers the evening mass. Yeah, but he still goes every week. Oh, yeah, every week, yeah. Yeah, Shake, your every dad week. does too, right? Absolutely, yeah. The evening mass, man, that's when the partying really happens. Yeah. yeah, when they get that, when they get the youth, the youth uh, band in youth there, music, oh man, down the bass line and the drums. See, I, I was the opposite. My, my my dad used to own a deli, and I worked for him. So on Sundays, mm-hmm. we would go to the real early mass with the old people where they had no music. And I'm like, wait a oh. minute, mass can be 25 minutes if you oh, get yeah. rid of all the singing. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, when it's only what, hallelujah one time instead of 30? Come on. Yeah, get up is, here. That is a good secret. The earlier the Mass is, the quicker the they, they get oh, yeah. out of there. They have the older priest, right? So the older priest is like, look, we got to, we're on a clock here, all right? Betty's got yeah, her colossal bag on the yeah. pole, and then, you know, old Leroy over the there. He's, people. We showed up early. We're the early birds, you know. It, we're there's like 10 people, heaven. and four of them are like, oh, I, I ate last night. I can't take Mass. That's a yeah. sin. And I'm like, that's a sin? Like, what What are these sins you people are yeah, talking yeah. about? Yeah, these she's people like, in the 11.30 Mass are all going to hell. I don't even know oh, why yeah. they're showing up. Yeah, they're freaking burning, <laughs> walking through the door. Are you kidding me? They're lighting the place when on the fire. the Byron's family rolls in 20 people deep, <laughs> one-way ticket to hell. Same, yeah. <laughs> when we walked in, it was brutal. Oh, my God. I could just see. Also, too, we I was an altar server, and so was Tom, right? Oh, so altar was I. Yeah. And I remember, like, dude, the early, like, oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. So uh, there was one time we had had, and this was a big deal. Um, there was, I guess, like, so there, the way the hierarchy works in the Catholic Church, at least at this time, is that if you're at a church, like, there's priests, right? But if you're the head priest at a church, I believe you're the Monsignor, right? And then if you're the head priest in, like, a district, then you're the bishop, Right. And then if you're the head priest of a region, you're an archbishop. And then if you're like the head priest of like half of a country, like half of the United States, you're a cardinal, right? I believe that's how it works, right? But cardinals are really high up. So either way, yeah. at this 
at this time, and I'm sure you guys remember the name, uh, Cardinal Anthony Bevilacqua was oh, the yeah. Cardinal, right? Yeah. So he was visiting St. Stan's and it was talk about like, dude, talk about like freaking, it was like the Beatles coming to town, man. Like this place <laughs> was hacked, right? So I'm, I dude, I think there's a joke like, to be made there, but I'm not going to make that joke. <laughs> yeah. So this place was, dude, I'm telling you, this place was packed to the gills with all the Catholics coming to see the Cardinal Bevilacqua, a nice, you know, a nice Italian kid, right? A nice Irish guy, Bevilacqua, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds so, like a, it's like a name the Simpsons would come up with for like a Catholic you know, uh, cardinal. Yeah, yeah. So either way, old Cardinal Bevilacqua was there, and so he shows up with his whole retinue, and he runs with like it's a cardinal, and like he's rolling with like three archbishops or three bishops or whatever the hell it is, right? So this altars, like I was the altar server and this was a, it was like a mass honoring one of our Monsignors that we had at the church. It was a big deal. I think his name was Monsignor Cahill. He was like a huge, like he was, he was like a priest that, you know, he was like a 50 year guy. You know what I mean? And he was going down, like he was going down in the books. So they brought in Bevilacqua to do him the, do him the honors. Right. <laughs> but there was just like some big Catholic schmoes going on. I forget exactly what it was, but either way. So they had brought in extra altar service because the procession to the altar was going to be like a people carrying a bunch of stuff. So they had brought in this special cross that it was a two piece cross that they had brought in in like a bulletproof casing. Right. And to hold it, I had to wear a special sash over. They brought in like special altar server uniforms for us to wear. And they're holding I'm holding this thing and it's like a special like cross that I have to hold. Right. And I have to hold it. I can't touch it myself. I have to hold it with this thing to hold it like it's fabric. Right. It was like a shawl, but it had like hooks in it that I could grab and hold it. Right. Really, really masculine attire as the, you know, as the Catholic Church is known. This is a great religion. Yeah. So, yeah, they're not dressing up boys anyway. You know what I'm saying? It's all very bad. So. Either way, I'm holding this thing and we're, we have to walk all the way. So the way it is, is you start at the front, you walk all the way to the back, you make a right, and then you walk all the way to the front. St. Stan's is a big church. It's probably like a hundred yards long. Wouldn't you say, Shake? Something like that? Yeah, I probably. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Big, it's a big church, right? And so Maybe we're like... hundred, but yeah, 50. Yeah, it's a big chunk, right? And there's this place is packed. Standing room only, packed, right? So I'm leading the procession, holding this pretty much all gold cross that I'm not allowed to touch with my hands. I'm wearing this super special stuff. I'm like all done up. I'm in sixth grade also. This cross probably cost a couple hundred thousand dollars and you're going to entrust it to a moron sixth grader. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't have Bishop, you know, Bishop Kelly over here grab the goddamn thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why I had to do it, but either way, grabbing this cross and we're walking, right? Oh God, I, even thinking about it makes me like, uh, so we're walking. We go up to the back. We make the right. Then we're coming up, you know, we're coming up Main Street, right? And we're heading right towards the altar and I'm leading it and I'm going there like, you got to go at a pace. You got to go at a pace. So it's like, huh, huh, huh. I'm going at a pace, <laughs> right? And we're about to get to the altar, right? And there's two steps to walk up to get to like the platform before you get to the altar. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking and we're about to go and I'm like about to get there. And I look to the left and I see like a buddy and I give him like a nod and I walk up 
First step, good. Second step, foot gets caught in the robe, right? The cross <laughs> gets caught on the step, right? Fucking face plant right there <laughs> on the cross, right? This thing goes, bang, you know, like falls down. <laughs> I fall down, and the whole procession's behind me. The whole church, like, does like the, and then starts laughing. And I'm like, thousands of people just laughing at me, right? Holy so then, crap. like, the worst thing was, this is the very beginning of the thing, of the ceremony. <laughs> I then had to sit stage right, holding the goddamn cross, the damn cross, for the rest of the show. And it was like an hour and a half long one. Uh, yeah. That's beautiful. So did someone help you up, or did you have to figure it all out yourself? Oh, I got right back up, but it was still kind of like once because everyone the cross is like probably like I so let's say at that time I'm five like five feet tall. The cross mm-hmm. is ten feet tall, right? This thing is <laughs> massive, right? It's like this massive skinny thing that I'm holding, right? You know, it's like I'm holding. God, it was thick too, but it was like thick at the bottom and skinny at Wait, the top. Wait, are we talking about the cross? Or are we talking about? <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm I dude I I this thing because you can if you're in the way back you don't see me you can still see the cross and then you see the cross go and you hear bang, you know like bang right and I'm like son of a bitch and it was like the steps were marble so it didn't sound like the when you got up further it was felt but at the steps it was more it was just yeah it was a whole situation and then the rest of the altar servers were all like a couple years older than me. And they were all like, you know, just giving me shit the whole time. We're standing there, uh, you know, like they're just like they just bust my chops the whole time. They weren't really saying, you know, they weren't helpful at least. Yeah, they, yeah. they, they weren't giving you advice. No, they, no one ran to help me up. I'll tell you that. Tell you that great right. addition to the lure of Catholic school, specifically Saint Stan's, which, for my money, has nothing but an endless supply of great stories of. Things like that where for some God God knows what reason they put a bunch of trust and like responsibility on a bunch of like little kids yep. to pull something off or do something yep. very ceremonial. Yep. And of course it goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and since it's like not, you know, it's not a public school, it's like a private school, all kinds of weird, obviously horrible stuff has gone down in the past. And at the, on the best of days, it's just weird, you know? Yeah. And yeah these people just have great, like incredible stories to this day. And here's the thing. I think that maybe our, our non-Catholic brethren out there might not know the elementary schools will have little kids do like a Christmas or a holiday concert where they sing Christmas carols and all kinds of stuff. And Catholic schools, they have the kids do a living nativity where, where, you know, someone gets to be Mary, someone gets to be Joseph, a lot of kids get to be like, um, you know, uh, the shepherds. I think maybe sometimes they have kids dress up like sheep or something. Who the hell knows? Yeah. And, and they, you're all, you know, guests at the wedding for Mr. Q and Mrs. U. Like that, yeah. that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so that, but the other thing that people really don't know about the Catholics is they also do a living passion, which is called the Stations Ooh. of the Cross. Yep. Where they literally have a little kid. I don't know if they did it every year or whatever, but I've heard stories where they literally have little kids walk around Mm -hmm. pretending to be Jesus. Yep. And they go through the pro the progression or the process 
for which he was crucified. <laughs> yep. So, so, so they they run in a fake crucifixion. <laughs> Catholics so. with a bunch of little kids, most of which who are don't understand what's going on, or if you do understand, you think it's hilarious that your buddy, who happens to be Jesus, yep. and you're rooting for him to get crucified. <laughs> So, uh, the way, so, uh, when I was in school, right. So side note, uh, in eighth grade, I played one of the wise men in the Christmas pageant and I brought the myrrh. So suck on that. Uh, and then, no, actually I brought the gold, forget that. But then, uh, and, and wait, so just so we can go over like the three, it was gold, silver, and myrrh, right? Gold frankincense yeah, and frankincense. myrrh. Oh, never mind. Get your, get right, your I was like, head out of your franken ass. All right. <laughs> I was like, if you're the guy with the gold and silver and someone shows up with a myrrh, you're like, who's this jerk off? It's yeah, like yeah. the guy that brings me <laughs> who, who the wine to the party. Bastard with a myrrh, son of a But I guess really it was like two cheap bastards. And the guy with the gold was like the cool guy. He's like, yeah, I'm getting yeah. late tonight. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's like, old. hey, anyone Typical call that guy. cheap? Because she's fine. <laughs> yeah, the frankincense guy's like, all right, I guess I'll take the donkey. I don't know. I mean, come on. But so either way, uh, at St. Stan's, the way they used to do it is that you, if you, a seventh grade boy would be cast to play Jesus in the stations of the cross, right? So they, I remember when I was in seventh grade, it was a buddy of mine. His name is Joe Corcoran, right? So we called him Corky. So Corky was casted to play uh, Jesus. And the way they did it is there's like, I think there's like 12, if I'm right. Maybe nine. I yeah, there's 12, 12. 12. 12 stations, right? right? One of them is like, you know, like <laughs> I think a couple of them or is Jesus getting whipped. So what they would do is they would have a kid stand there with a whip. Like because so there's a kid playing Jesus, but then there's also three kids playing Roman soldiers that are persecuting <laughs> Jesus. Right. There's a kid playing Pontius Pilate. There's a kid playing the guy that helps him when he falls down. The Ben-Hur character. There's a kid playing the person who puts the crown of thorns on him, right? This is all, remind you, in front of kids, right? Like, (laughs) first grade kids are seeing this show, just an FYI. But what they used to do is that at the part when they would whip him, right, there would be one kid doing like a limp whip, right? And the other kid standing there with the belt going, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like my dad used to do it all the time when he was mad. Oh right? yeah. Oh, like, yeah. That's belt smack, and you're like, Oh shit. All yeah, right. Smack, yeah. What did we do? Like the belt crack, you know? So the kids doing the fake whip and the other kids doing the belt crack. And then eventually they take them and they put them up in the front of the church and they do a fake crucifixion. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Fake crucifixion, burial and put them down. Saw it. I went to that school from second grade to eighth grade. So I saw it six years in a row. So they did do it every single year? Every single year. I remember I can name three of them. So Joe Corkman was my year. I remember Tom's year was this guy, Phil Motley. Uh, The year before them was this guy, John Boring. And then I think Natalie's year was this guy. This guy, maybe his name was like Rick Delasante or something like that. Deslande, I don't know. It wasn't Deslande. It was like Delasante or something. I don't know. But either way, I think the other guy was uh, Rick Cook. Might have been one. Yeah, I, it's funny you remember stupid shit like that. But yeah, <laughs> that's so, amazing. That, all that right, is, it's truly something else, man. So, but Pete, 
had a different experience. Our boy here, Pete, went to school in the city. Grade school in the city, right? I went to the largest elementary school in America, I think, at the time. St. Martin of Tours Oof. In, uh, in Philadelphia. We had like 45 kids a class. Oh, the 90s, yeah, dude. So I remember you told you told tell this. Could you tell the story that your dad would tell? Because when your dad was there, it was even bigger, right? Wasn't it like fifty something kids a class? Yeah, my my yeah, my dad went there. I guess right in like the uh, the sixties, probably. Yeah, so like uh-huh. that that you know that was baby boomer time. So they had classes that were in the you know sixties, seventies, and yeah. he actually had one school hit his. Uh, I can't remember if it was first grade or kindergarten. Was he in South? He was in South Philly at the time. And not that the school was bigger, but it was just overcrowded. So his kindergarten class had like 111 students. Oh, and they uh, they had two know. teachers have nervous breakdowns. And then they brought some nun out of retirement, and she she beat the shit out of like three kids. And then then after that, there was no more uh, there was no more <laughs> acting up. <laughs> Could you imagine like being in a class where it's like, dude, if there like the three of us in a class would be hell for a teacher. Could you imagine a seventy like or you know eighty more of us or whatever ninety more of us? But right. you know, like like say more in the tours that like this is like when I first went out to the suburbs, I had trouble making friends in school a little bit because I was never shy, but I was just it was ingrained in me. You sit still, you fold your hands until you're called on. So that's like that's what I did no matter what. Like it was recess, I just sat there with my hands folded. I'm like, well, this is uh, like I, I went through the, the Catholic school for six years, and that was just like ingrained into me. And we had some scary, we had some scary nuns, we had some scary teachers in general. Cause I remember you like nuns. Teachers, oh yeah, we had a whole convent there. So like mo- like our principal was a nun, our mu- like we had a lot of nuns. Yeah. Oh. One of them was so old she actually like would fall asleep like writing on the chalkboard. It was <laughs> it, it was interesting. Could you imagine that would be someone I would love to interview as a nun. That's got to be oh, yeah. a, a hell, an older nun. That's going to be well, a we're hell gonna have of to a throw lot. this episode away then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, we if we're, if we're maybe, trying to recruit them as audience members. Yeah, maybe not, uh, maybe maybe they would want to come on and uh, have us repent. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome back to the nun pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this weird thing like when you were like a kid you're like, "Well, the nuns are the girls and the priests are the boys, so they have to get married." And your dad's like, "No, they don't get married." I'm like, I don't understand what you're telling me. I had that like, thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I remember being a kid and thinking like, yeah, nuns are married to priests, right? That's how yeah, it's it like goes. boys and girls, nuns and priests, cats and dogs. That's how it gets. Cause I thought yeah, cats were girls and altar boys. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping at least I would score with one of the altar boys. I mean, girls. What? <laughs> uh, so I, all right. I was in school when they changed it to altar servers. I think I was in yep. like second grade and they Same. started with girls. Same. Yep. It was only boys before then they let the women in. Yeah. Got to take our jobs. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So let's get past this. So you went to Catholic grade school. Then you went to middle school at Penn Brook, right? Penn Brook. Yeah. Where you started your illustrious, illustrious wrestling career. We went over that last Fun time. Time. So a story I know shake really wanted to bring up last time and I'll let you tell it Pete. Um, but I'll give it some, I'll give it some background. So we are going into our seat. Me and Pete were in the same class. Shake was a few years behind us, so he wasn't there, but me and Pete were, uh, in the same class in high school. And after 11th grade going into our senior year, the, the way they would do it is they would do the elections for class president at the end of your junior year for your senior year. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, there was a bunch of people running and you could always tell people that would take it seriously and wanted to do it. And then you could tell people who you wanted to vote for because those are the people you wanted to win. The real heroes, right? Pete McCormick was a real hero. 
Do you have a message or a story inside of you that you've been waiting to tell? Have you always dreamed of writing a book but are intimidated by the complexities of the book publishing world? Perhaps you want to use a book to launch your public speaking or consulting career. If so, please reach out to Scott and Bell Publishing, located right here in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Scott and Bell Publishing handle all genres and authors with all experience levels. Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skotbell.com. That's www.s is in Sam, K is in Kite, O is in October, T is in Tom, B is in Boy, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, L is in Larry.com. That's Scott and Bell Publishing, where the authors go. Uh, just to give you some of the campaign slogans that he that he used, um, and this was, I'm not going to lie, they posted this stuff in a school. There wasn't social media. There was posters, legit, hanging up in the yeah. school. And a, so, and a, a public school, by the way. You should, public school. We've been talking yes. a lot of Catholic school today, but make you yeah. gotta make you guys both ended up in public school. Who knows Correct, why? Yeah. Who can, yeah. Who can say why, right? Yeah. So yeah. I love yeah. the city. So <laughs> I, I know why I did, but, um, but, uh, so me and Pete were both in a public high school called North Penn high school. Well, maybe we won't say the name, but we were both, uh, in the same <laughs> class at a public high school. And this public high school was the biggest three grade public high school in the state of Pennsylvania. I think we had 1200 kids in our graduating class. Shake, you had more, I believe, right. Yeah. You were like 13 or 1400 mm-hmm. um but either way so uh so then in this school right combined in the school then would be almost four thousand kids or close to four and a half or three and a half to four thousand right so uh the elections were kind of a big deal for school president right so president of the student government was what it would be so one of Pete's slogans, uh, two of the people Pete were running against, one uh, was this Asian kid, I won't say his name, and the other was this Russian girl, and I won't say her name either, but she was underrated on how actually good looking she was, I will remember that. Uh, but either way, so some of the uh, posters Pete had for the campaign, one of them was Pete McCormick can spell dinosaur, vote a smart guy for president, but... <laughs> Pete couldn't spell dinosaur. That was it's a hard thing. word. It's a big, tough one. It's a big, yeah, tough one. Tough. So, uh, but one of the things that I think sealed the deal for Pete, and it was a rigged election, um, was Pete's speech that he gave. I think, how many times do you have to give it? Four times, Pete? Because it was like four different Pete, four different periods had to come in yeah, to view well, it. Well, I mean, there was always like a question and answer, but the one that got like the most response, it was like a one, it, it was off the cuff and uh, it, it, it would be hard to recreate. It, they kind of pitched me a softball and there wasn't really much like, you know, what, what am I going to do? Yeah, you're going to nail it out of the damn park. So we'll set the scene. Uh, we're in the high school auditorium. This is a massive auditorium. Sat like, what, a thousand people, right? Yeah, Easily, yeah, yeah. if not more, right? A thousand or more because it had to balcony. an entire class, you know? Yeah, it's a massive, massive, massive uh, auditorium. Fit, Yeah, huge. So uh, the auditorium is filled with kids. And they have different people standing up in the front at a table or sitting at a table 
And these are all the nominees for student government body president, right? Uh, one kid comes up, gives his speech, snooze fest. He's dressed in like a tie and khakis, total sosh, right? Not having it. <laughs> then the other girl comes up, she gives her speech, right? She's dressed in some pants suit looking kind of uh, Hillary Clinton kind of gimmick, not having it, snooze fest. Then stands up to the podium, a gentleman of the highest repute dressed <laughs> In a Kurt Cobain Nirvana t-shirt with a tie on with sweatpants shorts and his wrestling shoes, which, by the way, these wrestling shoes were the combat speeds, right? And they were, I think they were the Gene Mills combat speeds, but they were, if you're a wrestler, these shoes are the most coveted shoes in all of wrestling. So they're the combat speeds and they're like the neon and pink and yellow combat speeds. Most famous yellow. Yeah, oh, yeah, most famous shoes in all of wrestling. So Pete had Norman Smiley wore these shoes. I know you're shaky. You remember Norman Smiley? The one they only. Uh, yeah. So Pete goes up to the podium, and Pete, take it from here, sir. Yeah, and and just to give uh you know a little bit of background, I was always like a reserve. I was reserved in middle school. You know, like I played sports, but that was kind of it. And and when I met Matt, is was my coming out party. That's where I decided to show my personality. Yeah. And I had always, you know, like I. I I liked politics. So I'm like, oh, yeah, running for student government's good. But all these people that did student government, like they went to student government camps. You know, like they yeah. went to like, uh, you know, camps where they went to clinics that they, they learned, you know, yeah, how to do stuck. this stuff. Yeah. yeah. They're total dupes. <laughs> and and so as Matt said, you know, I came in and and, <laughs> and I had my signs like Pete McCormick knows how to spell dinosaurs. Uh, vote a smart guy for president. Pete McCormick <laughs> knows how to use a road atlas. Uh, vote a, a wise man for president. <laughs> If your fly was down, Pete McCormick would come over and tell you discreetly and not make a big deal about it. Vote a sensitive guy for president. <laughs> and earlier throughout the day, you know, like it, it wasn't as much speeches as it was Q&As. And everyone's like, you know, like, well, what, what are you going to do? And like, I'm going to give 110%. Now I'm an accountant. I know how math works. There is no 110%. There's 24 hours in the day. So I... I was real with them. I'm like, you know, I'll give about, you know, 12% of my time in between naps, wrestling <laughs> practice, football practice, and all the other activities I'm doing. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. And we so, appreciated the honesty. So, so, so you know, like the, the next uh, round of questions comes around for, for the next class. And somebody in student government didn't like what I was doing. So they got up and they're like, you know, uh, P. McCormick, a lot of people are saying that you're a troublemaker. What do you say to that? And I just said, <laughs> let me tell you the names of some other troublemakers. Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, and Gandhi. So when you think of them, you think of Pete McCormick. Standing <laughs> ovation. Standing ovation brought the house down. I'm saying As soon as I said Thomas Jefferson, you just saw her, her like smile sink like, oh, shit. Yeah. This gotcha question is not a gotcha question at all. I just gave him a stump speech. Yeah, he, dude, I'm telling you, this was like a three-minute applause break. Massive, massive clap. So keep going, Pete. Oh, yeah, and so, so I mean, that was basically it for the speech. And, and then, you know, it, it comes time to vote. And I just know I'm robbed because it, it goes down to a runoff, but I'm pretty sure Matt stole like 200 ballots, filled them Over in, that. and stuffed the ballot Over box. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100% guaranteed. And I had like other people like helping me. They were all in on it, right? I had stolen a bunch of them, got it in, and it was you a had total goon scam. squad? 
Come on. I, I, yeah, I, I. <laughs> Me and Pete, Pete loves to tell the story of a scam we used to run around Christmas time. Uh, so <laughs> we had, uh, like I said, it was a it was a very big high school, a lot of kids. So we had a bunch of different clubs. One of them was the Jewish Cultural Club, right? And Shake, I'm sure you remember this. Every year, the Jewish Jewish Cultural Club would have a dreidel sale around the holidays for yeah, kind of. to fund to fund the Jewish Cultural Club. Right. Okay. So every year I would get, well, at least one year, at least I had gotten a dreidel that was a hot dreidel. Right. So I knew we knew how to work this dreidel. Right. So what we would do is we would play a game because there's four sides of the dreidel. So I didn't know what they were, but everyone would like, we had names for the sign. One was like fork. The other one was like moon. The other one was like, I, I don't know. Right. There, it was all in Yiddish. So I don't know. The other one was like U or something or W whatever. So what we would do is we would have this dreidel and everyone would put money up and you would put it on your piece, right? So you would say like fork or something like that. And it would take turns and you got to pick first, depending on like how, how the rotation was going, right? So I would put the dreidel down and spin it, but we knew how to spin it where we would land on like essentially on what we would pick, right? So we would make we made like because so at the time like you would have to put money into your lunch right to to to, to pay for your lunch every every month you know what i mean yeah. so i made so much money on this dreidel scam because it was a scam and we were robbing people blind i how made were you so able much- to fix it it's just how like i remember i had it right and i was just spinning it all the time just like it was like just being bored and eventually I got it. So I was like, okay, if I spin it like this, or if I spin it like this, it'll land on this and it'll land on this. Oh, right. Okay. So I was just able so to like, they, they were just kind of cheap dreidels. You know, some of them had defects and they were just weighted a little bit more on the side, not yeah. on purpose. It's just, but, but who gambles with a dreidel, you know? Right. Catholic. So yeah, cheaply made dreidels. Uh, yeah. Catholics. Great so you gamble did work with hard in high school is what you're saying. Well, so I'll tell you this. I made enough money that this was at Christmas time that I had put enough money into my lunch fund that I didn't have to pay for lunch for the rest of the year. Hey and this was at, that's how much, and it was like, I think it was like to, to do lunch, it was like $2 a day. So yeah. that was the rest of the year. And I think I bought shoes too, but I was always buying shoes, but and yeah. That's when Matt moved up, moved up to being a two fifteen pounder. Yeah. That was when, for the rest of the year, yeah, that's it. 25 to two fifteen. Well, I went the, the to the shame of it is I had to cut to make two fifteen. So, <laughs> but so we Could told corner, it, you know, yeah. it's addictive. Oh, that, dude! So I was saying this. Could you imagine, like, okay, so did you pack lunch uh, in Catholic school? I packed lunch. Like oh, yeah. they didn't. Yeah. So you had lunch at school, right, Shake? Yes, I did. So we packed lunch in my my house. We packed lunch, right? So there's four kids. So one of the chores you would have is you would have to make lunch for everybody, right? And it sucked because mm-hmm. sometimes if it's like Tom, Tom's the biggest lazy bastard. So you're getting like a Tom sandwich. Yeah, Tom, my brother. Tom, at my Tom, ass, my asshole brother, right? My brother asshole. He would it would be his turn to make the lunches, and he's making like uh, it's like a, a sandwich with like two pieces of shitty pepperoni and like oh you know mustard on your sandwich. His sandwich is the deluxe freaking, you know, Italian hoagie, but you get, you know, the shit sandwich, right? So we would pack lunch. But what I was saying is, is that our lunch back then consisted of, it was a sandwich, right? 
And the sandwich was made on white bread and it was like, you know, cold cuts and processed meat or whatever. Right. Then next to the sandwich, you would have a bag of chips. You remember you could buy like the boxes that have like the mini bags of chips. So it was like one, one box and it had like a bunch of different types of chips in it. Right. So it was a sandwich, a bag of chips. Then you would get uh, a drink. It would either be a soda or a huggy. You remember huggies? Oh yeah. The, the huggies, the juice things are basically just colored sugar water. Oh, yeah. So Sandwich, chips, huggies, and a tasty cake. And that was your lunch. That was also diabetes in a bag. <laughs> Could you imagine if you sent your kid to school with that lunch bag now, they would throw your ass in jail so fast, it would make your head spin. You know? Do you remember Mac Stick? Remember Mac Sticks? Oh, yeah. The yeah. Mac Sticks. Oh. Yeah, just like cheese sticks. Oh, Mac Sticks. I, I, and honestly, did, I was never you. a fan of the Mac Sticks, to be honest. Oh. With you. Dude, I could house a whole tray. Loved them. I used to love Max their spicy did. chicken sandwiches they had. They were really, really good. good. The yeah. best was the best was on on uh, what was it? I think it was like on a certain Friday they had Domino's Day. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then the Monday afterwards they would take the leftover Domino's pizza and cut it up into croutons and serve it to you as a side. I'm yes. like, what is this? <laughs> that's that's creativity right there. Yeah. Right. I know what they're doing. Necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. <laughs> They knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, and we have a mutual friend who I won't name because he uh, he has shunned the podcast, and we will we will never mention his name. Had a long running theory that um, Domino's had a special recipe for school for school lunches, and I've I've done a little investigation into this, and there is a little merit to it because I don't know if you know this or not, but. Uh, sources say that when Domino's makes the Domino's pizza that goes to school, the public schools, they uh-huh. only ship the breading and the sauce and they don't ship the cheese and the school adds their own cheese. This is a, this is a, a couple sources have said this. I've heard this. Really? Wait, wait, wait. They have cheaper, healthier cheese that they put on top of the pizzas. So, so, they so get like a Wait, wait a minute. But would they serve the Domino's pizza out of Domino's boxes? So they would get the pizzas, cook them there, assemble them, and put them in Domino's boxes? Well, in yeah. that box, you can just heat it. I mean, the, it's already yeah. cooked, I guess, with the sauce. I don't know. Yeah. This is – I've heard this on, from multiple sources. I don't know how the actual – I believe you. It's just it, like the, the whole so, theater of it all, like putting into the box. Like, hey, no, you, it's Domino's. Here you go. Yeah. Like, remember remember this for next week because we'll have a teacher on. And then the week after that, we're having a Ooh. athletic director of a school district on. We'll get so, further we'll get further yeah. confirmation on this huge yeah. this is like JFK level conspiracy theories that were, we're anyway. So, hey, you're gonna you're gonna have to send me a quick text about who the, the, the school district or the uh the athletic director is or superintendent or whatever you just said. <laughs> superintendent Chalmers. Um, so this gentleman, uh, he had a theory that, that, um, this, this gentleman whose brother is a son of a bitch. Well, they're both, they're both bastards, but yeah, they're both um, waffle. waffle Okay. Okay. Anyway, he had a theory that, that, um, Domino's had a special school, um, recipe for their pizzas. And I don't know about you guys, but everyone loved Domino's day. It was a huge deal for us. But here's the reason why every kid was starving. That's what was. That's what yeah. made it taste so delicious. You have, a, yeah. you have thousands of starving kids that want to eat it. So he would call Domino's and interrogate them and go, "Listen, you don't have to admit it, but I know you have the special school pizza. 
I want you to deliver me the school recipe. <laughs> oh, so he preferred the school recipe. <laughs> oh, so he wanted that. Oh, oh, I see. All right. Well, that just shows how stupid he is. He yeah, is it shows how dumb bastard. these people are. He's a dumb bastard anyway, that doesn't know anyway, a good opportunity yeah. when it shits in his eye. Um, the creamies can't exist anymore, right? Dude, the coffee oh. cookie corner's got to be kaput. No way. Obama Obama got rid of cookie corner. I'll tell I you that, that right it now. It was temporarily banned when I was in high school, and I graduated in 08. Dude, I was getting creamies, creamies on the rag, Pete. Creamies, right? Oh, yeah. You're not, creamies, you're not, are you pretzels. A, yeah, oh, yeah. Cookie corner was the gimmick. You'd hit up the deli, you'd steal a juice from the deli, walk over to the cookie corner, whack down a creamy, you're good to go. That's freaking... You know, that's how it dope. That's and how it dope. Creamy, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's two chocolate chip cookies. With, any, any cookies. With Crisco and something else in there. Mixed it's like them. an icing. Yeah, it's two cookies with icing in the middle. And it's not a, not like a little spread. It's yeah. like an inch thick of icing. Creamies were the gimmick. You think, oh. you, could, you, think you could eat one now? Oh my god! I could eat one, but then I wouldn't be able to move because I'd be in a diabetes coma. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be worth it, brother. It would be worth it. <laughs> when so, you had a nice little Rosenberger's iced tea, and you were good to go for the day. Oh, baby, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, Pete, I have you on here. Um, we've gone over some really good stuff. We're gonna have some questions for you in a minute, but I did want to get into a little bit about your job. So All you're right. the you're the director of yeah. We brought you on for that. It took us uh, at this point uh, three and a half hours to get to it. <laughs> so you're the director of income tax accounting and compliance, right? Not appliances, compliance. Not appliances, yeah. Com- compliance. Yeah, yeah. You're not working with the toasters, okay? So give me a background. When you so what what does that entail, right? So. What are, so, okay. So what do you, you go in, right? So why, if I was looking to hire a director of income tax, accounting and compliance, why would a company hire that person? Well, you don't want to go to jail, right? No, I, I mean, not again. I mean, there are two certainties in life, death and taxes. And I didn't sure. want to be a, uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of uh, my girl. So yeah. I got into a tax accounting <laughs> right? Sure. And, and my specialty is corporate income tax accounting. And basically what that yeah. is, right, is, you know, companies make income. There's a corporate income tax. Huh? And, and I just figure it out with them because when you're figuring your income for the company, uh, you do what's called a uh, gap general account or uh, generally accepted accounting principles. Okay. And that's what the SEC looks at. What, is, on, what is a general accepted accounting principle? That, that's so, just how you decide what your income is. So like, what is okay. income? What are deductions? When you put them together, what, what's your bottom line? What's your profit, right? So, so just for the for the people like me out there. So your income could be, say, you're a company who makes $2 million annually. Right? Let's say you're a podcaster. Okay. Right? You know? <laughs> Big bucks then. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and and you're bringing in like advertising revenue. So let's say, yeah, you're bringing in like a million dollars a year, right? That that that's your yeah, revenue. Yeah. We're not so yeah. rogue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then what what are your deductions? So let's say you you hire some people, your salary is you know or two hundred thousand dollars. That's a deduction. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, let's say you have an office, right? And you're, yeah, you're paying rent for that office. That's okay. an expense. So, okay. so these are the things. It's like, what are what's my revenue? Where's my where's my cash and coming from? Not, yeah, revenue? and it's not all. And it's not all. Obviously, it's not all even numbers. So you're right. lining up the income. Then you take all. Well, they give you all their. You, you they give. Okay, so, so go. That, that, that's what the that's what the normal accounts do. They decide. Okay, they like what does the what what does Gap say is my income, and, and they calculate that. What does the SEC say is my income? And they calculate that, and then I so do. You're is I think that okay. the soft asses are dealing with the normal stuff, and you're doing the heavy lifting. Well, what I do is basically there's Gap rules. This is what yep. the SEC does. This was what's re, you know reported to to people that own stock. Uh, again, who is the SEC? Oh, the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. Ah, SEC. I'm an idiot. SEC, okay. Yeah. Not yeah. not the football conference, but the uh, the people that get you in trouble. Okay, so the Security and Exchange Commission monitors your gap, right? <laughs> they monitor your gap along with other people, yes. But yeah, you, okay. you come up with your gap income, which is, is based on you know a, a large book, the, the general generally accepted accounting principles. Okay. And then so the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, has their own rules of what they consider ooh, to be. Oh, income. I'm all right deductions and so what i do is i just look at what you know what did our account say is our income and then i say what would what would does the irs think is our income and then i just make the adjustments to to comply with irs rules and then we pay tax based on that so you're so and these are for major companies so right and you're getting so you would get all right so let me break it down so do you get the income tax before or after the gap well i'm the one that calculates the income tax Oh, I, see. So I get the income and then I decide what's deductible and what's not for tax purposes. Uh-huh. And then I say, okay, this is, this is, this is your taxable income. This is what you owe tax on. Okay. So nice. So you get the, so then, all right. So you have your income, right? Then you would get the taxable income or whatever. Then you would have your deduction. So you, so what's the first process you have the, in, the income is the first. So you calculate the income. Is that correct? And then you take the deductions away from the income. So you have your final income minus the deductions, right? Yep. And then your tax yep. on the then your tax on the final income minus the deductions, and that's where the gap comes in. Uh basically we'll say is we have different rules. They they tell me what their income is and they give me all the pieces of it. And I just say, are any of these deductions not tax deductible? Okay. Are there any what, deductions that you missed that I could take? And what so is you just considered kind of, a tax deductible for a major corporation. I mean, I mean, like salaries, right? Like you're paying okay. people. That's yes. tax deductible, right? God damn right it is. Something that would not be tax deductible would be fines and penalties. So let's say you do something that violates a government rule, you have to fight, pay a fine. When you're doing your gap income, you'd be like, okay, this is a reduction of my income. I had to pay this out. I don't have it. But the IRS says, no, this is punitive. You're not going to get a tax deduction on this because this is a penalty. So that's just the the typical thing to look at. Okay. So So you're going, you have to go through all of that. I have to go through all the ledgers. I have to go through their income statement and their balance sheet and just say, okay, if, if I look at all their deductions, is any of this stuff not tax deductible? Now, and then there's all the certain things where you can kind of accelerate deductions based on IRS rules. And I can say, okay, you know what? For you, this might not be deductible until next year, but I can deduct it this year and lower the tax this year. So to me, this is fascinating. I am fascinated by this stuff. I am fascinated by everyone else's jobs and everything and what it takes because there's so many little intricacies. Because when you say accountant, 
right away people assume ah this this son of a bitch is just crunching like he's going bet 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 on his calculator but that's not the case there's so many different rules and so many different regulations and so many different areas that are coming in and like like there's taxes for people that everyone do boo hoo you're yeah. talking for taxes for a multi million dollar company so you have a multi million dollar company how many and times- in many countries and and and, and so oh. it, it, and countries you're, you're, and states and everything, it's all yeah, different, different yeah. right? And that's the thing, and that's where it kind of gets complicated is because like like the US has their rules, uh-huh. every state has their own rules, each yeah. city has their own rules, and then if you're operating in other companies, they have their own rules. And oh. then it's like, okay, that the the the, comp, the the money that you earned in the UK, it's taxed in the UK. How do you treat that in the US? Do you tax it again? Do, do, uh. you know, so that's that, that's all the intricacies. And everyone's always updating their laws, right? You know? Yeah. So We've you have to before Matt Matt and I have heard this before. We we interviewed somebody in the pharmaceutical industry that yep, yep. deals That's with exactly the same thing where their health authorities from different countries have different rules, oh, yeah. and there's always exactly. based on people who just know those rules. Yeah, and that's like every multinational corporation, right? You yeah, you have uh, you have your legal counsel. What are the laws yeah. in this, this country? Yeah. Then you have your accounting people. What are the accounting rules in that country? And then you have your tax people. What are the tax rules in that? And, and that's where it kind of comes. Down. Same thing with labor. Like, what are the labor practices? How much do you have to pay people in these countries? Yeah. Do you have to pay them overtime over a certain amount of hours? You, do you have to you give could, them benefits? You could argue do that you, this is uh, how super rich corporations keep the keep the little people down is because they yeah. don't have that you know advanced knowledge of loopholes yeah. and you do you know, think like so that to me, that's like that's fascinating stuff so when you would come in so say like right now and i know you you're legal, like i don't want you to get in trouble so don't say anything i lost all the companies that you do yeah you do these so things. you would have a company like is there a like to me like numbers or I'm, I'm not like i honestly i can do some math but nothing crazy like i'm nowhere like 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 you're doing trigonometry Right. So, but is there a th- a theory to me, at least it would seem, is there like a measure twice cut once kind of thing? Like how many times are you checking when you're going through this? It's not one, it can't be one and done. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean like, it's, like it's an ongoing process, right? Cause every day you're selling stuff every yeah. day you're paying people. So every day you have incomes and expenses. So you have to keep track of it throughout the year. <sighs> and then you're just making sure that like basically you have like your routine stuff and then you have things that are like kind of unusual, you know? So yeah. the routine stuff you have down until there's like a law change, but you also have to make sure that they're accounting for it properly. Right. Cause it, it is a collaboration process. You could have a team of 50 accounts and yeah. you might have a team of four tax accounts trying to figure out what those 50 accounts do. And and you can ask them and everything, but it, it's just, you, you have to make sure like, do I actually know the underlying? So it, that's the one, one the the accounting part is just having the numbers and knowing how to process them. But then yeah. there's the actual like I have to analyze these numbers. Do these numbers yeah. make sense? You know? Yeah. It, it, okay. Like and there are some weird examples. Like let's say your company comes in and like, you know what, we opened a business in Iran. Like there are boycott treaties. Like some income is it, you know, gets punished for certain being in certain countries. Um, and there's also forms you have to file out when you're – so that's where the compliance is. It's like what do I have to file to the IRS? What do I have to file to these other countries? And then just making sure that you're on top of all of this because there is exposure, right? Like, where do you learn this? Like did you – like did they – are they teaching – when you went to college for this, are they teaching you like, look, when you're in Indonesia, this is this tax. When you're in – Oh, no. Yes, when, when, when you're getting your bachelor, it, it's it, – it, tax is kind of like a light touch. You might have one or two courses on it and it's kind of personal income tax. And, and then it's that's just kind of showing you the formula of how things done mathematically. Yeah, just like this is accounting. This is kind of high level how it works. Yeah. And then when, but when you start working, I mean, 
there is continuing education, right? So there's a master's in taxation. There's obviously the certified public account test. And, yeah. and those are two just like, uh, you know, certificates or degrees. But on top of that, there's just continual learning, right? You're going on webinars with the big four accounting firms. Mm -hmm. uh, like you're like they, and they, and they put stuff out like every, they put stuff out like every week on all kinds Jeez. of topics. So yeah. like every, every week is one of those things where I want to do like one webinar, just make sure I'm, I'm staying on top of my stuff yeah. so that I know that if there's any law changes or if there's any accounting, crazy. not just the law changes, they, they change how they account for stuff too. Yeah. So that would say, so like, say if you miss a webinar or miss like this thing that's updated, you could do a whole week of gimmick, right? And come back and have to redo the whole thing because you missed something, right? Is that, yeah. a, oh, yeah. but Golly. Well, and if you miss something too, that's where it where it, where it gets kind of bad, right? Because if you report yep. something wrong to the SEC, that that's a violation. Like like there could be civil penalties for it. And so you would you sure would that come out of your pocket or that comes out of the company? It wouldn't come out of my pocket, but I'd be out of a job. <laughs> oh shit! That's like, how big, like how big are the penalties? How much do they cost? Like are they uh, talking millions of dollars or? I mean, it it, it varies. Like it depends. Like like. It, was it was it a material misstatement? Were you trying to mislead, or was it a mistake? And then from there, you go on to the punitive or not. But it's also it's not even just fines and penalties. It, it's a credibility here, right? Like, yeah, if yeah, I have stockholders. If all of a sudden my stockholders realize that the numbers I'm giving them aren't accurate, are they going to trust any of my numbers going forward? Oh, Would they trust owning oh, the stock? No. They'll, they'll be like, these are bad numbers. I don't trust you. I'm getting rid of the stock. Or that's when you know the stockholders essentially are the owners of the company, and they act through the board, and they'll put pressure on the board to get rid of you for, for not reporting your numbers properly. So and if you don't report your numbers to probably the IRS, that's when you do get into penalties. They can be punitive, you know, Jesus. and it, you know as a, a percentage of your income, and yeah. you know it can be big dollars. Yeah, dude. So you're kind of like a hired gun, huh? So they bringing you in. So like, say, okay. So let's say you, so reputation in accounting is a big deal when you get into like the higher parts of the accounting, like yeah, they always say when you're coming up into accounting, they say appearance is just as important as reality, like appearing to be correct. Cause that's the thing is like, if, 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 if your numbers look sloppy, no one's going to trust you. So you have to make sure that everything looks good. As oh, long as shit. Well, correct. So how, what is that saying? Appearance is reality. Is that what it yeah, is? Appearance, appearance is it. It's as important as reality, right? Or I guess it's not as important, but it can be to investors because if they don't yeah. trust your numbers, yeah. then it doesn't matter if your numbers. And right. That's their whole gimmick. They're, they're the investors live off the numbers, right? Yeah, like there's that, no... that's how they make their decision. Do I do I do I buy the stock? Do I sell the stock? Do I hold on to the stock? You know, wow. and, and it's people's livelihoods. This is people's four hundred one k's. Like yeah. it, you know, it's serious business. It, it's it, it you know, it's people's retirements. Like yeah. you, you have to take this stuff seriously, and you have to get yeah. it right. Or oh my as right as you can possibly get it. I imagine that you might get yourself into some contentious conversations with these companies. Um, like specifically, my question is, do you deal with different levels of company, like large, massive companies, middle, you know, middle sized companies and small companies? And do you have to break bad news to them and say something along the lines of, oh, yeah, you tried to deduct all of the gas mileage that you had from this year, but that's actually not allowed. So you're going to owe an extra, you know, 10 grand or 1.2 million or whatever, because some companies will say, oh, shit, my boss is going to be mad. I might lose my job over this. Other companies yeah. will say, well, we can't be a company anymore if I have to pay that. If I have to pay yeah. that much taxes, we're going to fold. Like, do you deal with conversations like that? Oh shit! Yeah, but, I didn't but, think 
but at the same time, like smaller companies tend to be simpler, right? Like if I'm just looking at, you know, a hundred numbers versus, you know, 10 million numbers, it, it's easier to get that right. Shut so the like fuck you, up. 10 million numbers. I, I'm just saying like, if you look at oh. them on the transactions a day, right? Oh, yeah. Like let's say you're yeah, looking yeah, at McDonald's, yeah. how many hamburgers do they sell a day? Like it's not that, yeah. it, you know, but, but yeah, like, like there's obviously levels to it and, and everyone has like a different, you know, for some companies, 10 grand, you know, like if you're a small little, you know, self proprietorship, you lose 10 grand that, that could screw you, you know, maybe you yeah. don't make rent. And a bigger company, you know, maybe $10 million is, is immaterial to your order. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't really know any company like that, just as an example, but just kind of, you know, it's your thresholds. And then it's like, how severe is the problem? Can we, can we fix it basically? Because just because you screwed up one tax return doesn't mean you can't fix it. You can amend a return. You can go in, you can fill out the return, correct it, go to the IRS and say, hey, um, we missed this last year. Here you go. How much do we owe in penalties and interest? And, and, right. and so that you can kind of like you kind of like if a genuine mistake's made, it can be like you can like they're right, like, it depends. Okay. Like, like, why was the mistake made? Did you have bad information? Yeah. Uh, or did you just straight up like miss? A, you know, it, it all depends oh, on like, what is the nature of the mistake. So like, so, OK, so like if it's bad information, like so either way, if something if it, like you guys are literally walking the tightrope, like one misstep. That's your job because it's going to cost so much money. Like, well, I, I wouldn't say that. Like, that more comes into like you if, walk if, into work every day under the gun, Pete. <laughs> all right, you're a outlaw. Pointed you're at living every day. The other, the other big thing in accounting is what we call documentation. Why did you do it? You know, like Oof. if you can explain why you didn't, you have a good reason. You know that. Fucking, there there yeah. you go. It'll show your work. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you. Right. It's more of like, did I, did I, did I look at this? And then did I look at it? Did I get it right? Or did I get wrong? And then it, then the other question is, is like, is this black and white or is this a gray area? Cause there are gray areas in law. Like it's, yeah. it's not always black and white. So like so some of the stuff you're just not sure about, is this deductible? Uh, it's kind of on the edge. Do I take it or do I not? You know, I understand that. Okay. So, so, okay. So I know that, um, right. Okay. So when you first started, when we lived together, you were not director of income tax accounting and compliance. What was your title then? I was a staff accountant, and I think I had been promoted to a senior account by the time. So what uh, is, I moved so at that point, then, are you just doing kind of the same thing, just at a smaller scale? At that point, you're just what's called a compliance shop. They just give me the numbers, and I put it under the form and make sure that the form looks right. I'm not really making any decisions. I'm just they're they're giving me the income. They're telling me what should be deductible and what's not. I'm going through it. I'm like, no, yes, no, yes. And then they give it to somebody to review, and they're the ones that are making the decision. They're just like, no, put that's not deductible. This is deductible. So it, it's not really as much stress. It's just more of you know just just doing what your what your boss tells you to do. Yeah. And you're oh, learning it too. Like I said, like a lot of this stuff you, you learn on the job because, you know, like in, you get your bachelor's degree, very little tax work. That's when you start yeah. working for an accounting firm or for a company and you start learning how do they do it. And it's kind of just like, okay, how, like, what did the person do before me last year? Mm-hmm. And then you do that and maybe that's good for you. And then the next year your boss starts asking, why'd you do that? And you're like, you can't just tell them, well, that's what the person did last year. You have to start explaining. Okay. They, and all the tax forms come with instructions. So you look up the instructions, you start looking up the rules and, and each year you're learning a little bit more. Okay. I, now I know why. So like where it is on the form. So, okay. So just to give it like kind of a metaphor, right. When I was bartending, right. So 
I would go to this place and this place made their drink like the Long Island iced tea a certain way. Then I would go to another place and I, it would be made a different way, but they also had a Long Beach iced tea. Then I would go to another place and they had a Long Island, Long Beach and a daiquiri, right? Or a mojito, yep. right? So it's for you, it's kind of the same thing where it's like you go into it and they're showing you this is the recipe for this. Then there's also the recipe for this and this is why this is in here. So then you're able to later on, right, see like, oh, I have something that falls in both those categories. So now I have the recipes for both and I know how to use all this stuff, right? Like kind of like that. You're kind of like almost like, your event, like you were a chef learning how to put, to like make soup and put this recipe together of different things going from place to place. So it just took you a while to be able to build that type of like uh, type of, I guess, you know, repertoire where you had the different moves and the different recipes and the different things and the different ingredients to do all that stuff. Yeah, I, I would say it's kind of like when, when you first start out, right, and you're a bartender and someone says, give me a Manhattan, right? Someone told yep. you how to make a Manhattan, you know, the ingredients. Yep. But it, let's say they taught you wrong. Someone's going to be like, hey, what'd you put on this Manhattan? Oh, I, I did bitters. I did what, – what goes into Manhattan, Matt? Manhattan is whiskey and sweet vermouth. And yeah. ta- you can put a p- dap of bitters. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then so then say like – but the person that taught you, let's say they taught you to put a twist of lemon in it. And the guy's like, yeah. this is a little weird. And he told me to twist of lemon. He's like, oh, that's not supposed to go into Manhattan. And you look up and be like, oh, he's right. You wouldn't do that supposed anymore, to be a cherry. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. And then as okay. you work your way up, maybe you have somebody come in and like, you know what? I like Manhattans, but I'm not in mood for Manhattan. You're like, you know what? I know these three drinks you like because I know the ingredients to Manhattan. You know so what? It's <laughs> – yeah, go ahead. So go, go, go. Sorry. I didn't mean no, that. That, that, that's just kind of the metaphor. You kind of come in, someone teaches you. If you did it wrong, someone will tell you. And then as you get more experience, it's kind of like you kind of know, well, this is this is the thing that's like that. I can kind of you know build off of that. I can kind of answer your questions because I, mm. I know if you're a bourbon guy, these are the drinks you'll probably like. If you're a vodka uh, guy, these are the drinks you'll probably I see. Like. Okay. All right. I see. And you're able to categorize them and like, right. put them yeah, in. you start categorizing things in your head and you're start you're figuring I out see. how it works, why it works. Why do these ingredients go together? That's fascinating. Yeah. A little side note story to that. Um, when people, so when a good looking chick would ask me uh, when they'd be like, Oh, they want to look at a drink menu. You're like, Oh, I just don't know what I want. Right. And then I would take the menu and look at them and say, do you trust me? Right. <laughs> and they would be like, Oh, I do. And I'd be like, all right, well, I got you. Right. And I'd be like, do you want sweet or sour? And they'd say, oh, sweet. Pineapple upside down cake. It is done. Got your number. See you later. Right. (laughs) So that was that. Okay. So, um, golly, Pete, you just are so good to talk to that. It's like we we're coming to the top of time. Uh, We all have hard outs at the end of time, but maybe now, I really liked what we got into there with the accountant stuff. And I would want to hear more because that to me, I'm not lying when I say that stuff's fascinating. But yeah, we, have, it's, uh, we have it's fun stuff. <laughs> we have 10 minutes. I want to get to a couple questions out of the way. So, all right. First question uh, If your significant other could classify your schwanz as a car, what type of car would your schwanz be? Oh, she would call it the little engine that couldn't. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Thomas the Tank, the little engine that couldn't. Love Coal-powered. It. All right. Yeah, power. So, all right. So, second question. What was your favorite movie at the age of 10? Oh, my favorite movie at the age of 10. What year would it be? What year were you 10? Yeah, what, I was, you, it was 95. 1995. Oh, yeah, um, we were 10 the same year. That's a good year. Willow. 
from the creator of Star Wars. From the director of Cocoon. A world is awakening. Why, with the strength of my great army, can you not find one little child? It's a dangerous world. That's why we need your help. Your journey has just begun. Willow. Oh, my boy, Al Kilmer. Mad Mardigan. Mad yeah. Mardigan. Who's, I always wondered who would win in a fight, Mad Mardigan or Doc Holliday from Toon Oh, man. You remember? You touched on my favorite movie. It's my favorite movie right now <laughs> of all time. Man. So, Pete, Pete will remember this. Um, I'm all Val right, so, Kilmer all the time. So, when me, when me and Pete would – God, this is okay. So I'm blowing up our whole wrestling team here. But so when we wrestled in high school, we had a saying, we called it STOS. And it meant steal the other team's stuff. The say like SUS didn't go together because we forgot a letter, but it was STOS, is what we called it. But STOS was handed down to us from the seniors when we were there, and it was handed down to them from the seniors they were there. So it's just a thing the team does, and I hope they still do it to this day. But when we would STOS, we would be at tournaments and dual meets and all these things for hours at a time, right? With other teams. So we're stealing, like, I remember I got this beautiful leather jacket and like these, all these <laughs> shoes, but a big thing, but a big thing you would want to steal is like other teams had like really cool, like warm up jackets and warm up pants. And like, we would wrestle teams that had specialized headgears that like were custom made for that team that weren't even released to the general public yet. So uh, one time there's this kid and I won't say his name, but, uh, he had a headgear that was signed by a wrestling legend named Dave Schultz. <laughs> right. And, uh, I S T O S his headgear. And oh. yeah. Then when I was a senior, I wanted to be cool. So I had my buddy take my headgear and I had him draw Batman symbols on each side and then write, you're no Daisy. A t- across the front because that's what Doc Holliday says in Tombstone and when he oh God, when he put on the Batman symbols he colored over the Dave Schultz autograph and and Tommy just so you're aware like Dave Schultz is like a, like the big a god a yeah, wrestling god I, maybe he not was shot Ruth. by he yeah. was shot by uh, God John DuPont oh, uh, I was going to say is that so he's yeah. Mark but he, he He's exactly. kind of like Cal Ripken, beloved by everyone, and a pure, yes. like a pure shire. Like he's not the best of all time, but he's he's up there. He's like a top echelon guy. Everyone yeah. loves him, and this guy steals. Yeah, total, just all work and hard. Yeah, he's he, dude. He won an Olympic gold medal without having a point scored on him in '72. So shows 84. you eighty-four. Eighty-four. Sorry, Pete knows I'm an idiot. <laughs> but either way, but yeah, yeah, we'll edit that. So. Yeah, Dave Schultz was so good. He had he he won a gold medal without having a point scored on him in the '84 Olympics. That's how good he is. All right. Did you know it was '84? I knew you didn't know. '84. Right. If I'm not, you know, you guys might be yeah. wrong. I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm pretty good with my wrestling history. I think it was '84. Yeah. Either way. Um. So okay. So your favorite movie now is Tombstone. Excellent movie. If you would have said Bohemian Rhapsody, I would have <laughs> shot you in the face. <laughs> Um, so Pete, I know Pete has to us, he's always big Pete, but to his family, he's little Pete. Cause his dad's big Pete. Right. Hmm. But Pete, 
if you could give yourself a nickname, what would it be? The tax man. The, the tax, tax man always man. gets paid. He always oh, gets paid. Oh, man. Yeah. You're always coming to collect. <laughs> yeah. You That's always so collect. That's um, what's your, a true detective, well, you right? You don't pick your parents and you don't pick your partner. You know, they, they used to call him the tax man for a while. He come out of Texas, so nobody knew him. True detective, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good name as far as nicknames go. A show that would have only been better if Val Kilmer had also been in there. Yeah. Make, make it a, a threesome. That's, you could say that about every show. What was that <laughs> weird movie that Val Kilmer was in in the 90s? My brothers and I loved it because it was just really weird. Val Kilmer goes to an, like a Native American reservation. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And he's like a detective in he's a there. Detective from, investigates a murder. Uh, Tomahawk or something like that, or Bone. I had no idea what you guys are even talking about. This is like a movie yeah. I've never even seen. Oh, oh yeah, you it's bring a, it up yeah, a movie I've never Jake, seen. Jake, look it up while I ask another yeah, Go question. ahead. So, if you could host a TV show, what TV show would you host? Real or movie? Oh, the 90 Day Fiance Tell All. <laughs> what? Man, he got, uh, I don't what? know. Look, okay, if you guys have you? not seen the show 90 Day Fiance on the oh, Learning Channel, oh, it is the I, greatest show. I have seen it. I have seen <laughs> it. And I've seen my wa- wife watch it. And God damn you, Pete. God damn you. First Bohemian Rhapsody and now this. God damn you. Dude, have, you, have you actually watched it or do you just like blow it off pieces of it? And the creepiest is when you see like a dude, like an old ass dude with like a young Asian bitch that just burns oh, him. Oh yeah, there's a lot of creeps. But dude. then there there are even like female creeps. There's these older American women's and people are like oh, when they're going after like all the black guys in Jamaica and stuff. Yeah. Oh my god. And then they're like and they're like giving these guys shit. I'm like, whoa, what what wait a minute, why how come all these girls are getting sympathy and these poor guys aren't like, come on, man, they just want to come to the US too. Like dude, and you see some of these women and I'm like, look, they've earned their green card. Like, if you guys don't there's this couple, Michael and Angela, and no one deserves to be an American citizen more than Michael. Just look up a picture of Angela and you will know that I'm telling the truth. Oh my god. <laughs> I did see the one episode where it was a young nerdy dude and he was with this like decent looking Spanish chick, right? He married her, got her pregnant. And then she was like legit, like didn't speak the language. He would have to use his phone to translate right to them. So like, oh, yeah. they would speak to the phone and she legit said like, look, like went to her mom and her mom, she was like, tell him mom. And the mom said that they don't want him there anymore and that he's just going to pay for the baby now and leave. legit like that's the kind of show pete's watching so moving on 90 day fiance tell all is that what it was called well yeah because that's when they bring all the cast together and you have to ask the serious questions and i don't think the host does a good enough job i'd dig in there i'd get the real answers you know you'd you'd get into their taxes yeah i dig into it like it's an income like this is not tax deductible (laughs) that movie by the way is called uh thunderheart the fbi sent him here the badlands South Dakota. What's my cover? No cover. To find a killer among these people. Better off, sir. Hands on your head. Go ahead. Murder suspect, and you're under arrest. Now, who are you? Walter Crowhorse, tribal police. You must be the Indian FBI. That's right. Oh, what nation? The United States. You're chasing the wrong man. Whoever killed Leo walks heel toe like a white man. You gonna tell me how much change he had in his pocket? 63 cents. Hey, look. It's the Washington Redskins. We're gonna catch these murders and take care of them. Indian way. 
This is the battlefield right here, and this is my case, okay? Now he must respect their ways. He says he knew you were coming. Who told him? Oh, gosh, you're out there. Spirits. And uncover the past. It's just a dream. You had yourself a vision. To discover the truth. It's hard to tell the good guys from the bad guys. Val Kilmer. Leave him alone! Sam Shepard. Now stick to the assignment, pal. Graham Greene. You said we should follow this. Thunderheart has come. Thunderheart. That's the killer. Uh, Thunderheart. I've never even heard of it. That's Ken Ward. And Fred Ward is in it as well. All right. I like Fred Ward. Fred Ward from, wait, wait, from Tremors? From Tremors, baby. Yeah. Woo. So, we can't uh, get into that can of worms. No pun intended. So, yeah, Fred Fred Ward and Thomas Garrett, I always feel like are linked together uh, <laughs> for some reason. For me, they always remind each other. All right. So either way, um, next question: What TV game show would you want to be on? Oof, I got to go with Legends of the Hidden Temple. I'm going back oh, to my childhood. Oh, so good, so good. Yeah. You know what? Box said Box said American Gladiators, which was a really good one. I like American Gladiators, but Legends of the Hidden Temple is just one of those ones where I'm like, that's oh, nice. old monkey Dude, baby. And I don't think I ever saw anyone win Legends of the Hidden Temple ever. Oh. I don't think I ever saw an episode where they won. That shit once if you made it to the temple at the end, forget it. There's no winning yeah. it. They rigged you. They always had the the temple guard come out and get you. And okay, I also wanted so. to do it because, like, I was too large as a kid. I got kicked out of Discovery Zone at, like, the age of, like, seven. So, like, <laughs> no. I, I, like I, thought, I was like, I got ripped off. And I was like, I see these other kids. I'm like, well, these kids are, like, 15. And I was 10. I'm like, I could do this. I'm- yeah. You're a hell of a swimmer, too. Pheasant run flyer. I was not a bad swimmer. <laughs> so what's the biggest word you know the meaning of besides dinosaur? Oh, hmm, that would Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Jesus Christ Almighty! <laughs> well, I just know because my dad would always say it to me, like, and what I like, I. It, it's actually like a German word, which means like you're like in between like political parties or go. I actually don't know what. Well, I guess I. Uh, it's German. I know that. Does that count as knowing what it means? Yeah, it knows enough. I, I mean, I don't think anyone knows. All right, so we are <laughs> at the top of time. All right, uh, there's more questions, but you know what, Pete. We'll save that for uh, the three-peat episode when we have you back because, golly, this time just flew by again. We had to sneak in these questions at the end. Really, I really, really loved the info we got on you being attacked, like on your account yeah. and stuff. I really was this fascinated is like Joe by Dirt. That. We have to have you back. Yeah. You know what? Like I, I love, like I love, Miller. I love time, guys. Yeah, I, I, I like being on here. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like, am I? Den- are you Dennis Miller? Who's Dennis Miller here? We're Dennis I Miller, would... and you're Joe Dirt. <laughs> and I'm, I'm David Spade. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. KXLA, all aberration radio, all the time. Hey Xander, got... Xander, you gotta see this God guy. God Almighty, manna from inbred heaven. Hey, freak boy, 1976 called. It wants its hairstyle back. Xander, get this. This is a wig. That's a wig. What are you? What are you wearing a wig for? What are you doing? Stunt work for Billy Ray Cyrus? Freddie, go get Freebird Boy here an all access laminate for the show in perpetuity. I'm ringing this chamois as long as I can. You are exquisitely pathetic. Dude, what was the name of the chick? His chick in that? Gosh, Brandy. Was just... 
Brandy was uh, a smoking oh, yeah. rocket. Well, not, you know who oh. else was in that too? Jamie Presley, a prime. Oh Jamie yeah, the, the the chick that ended up being his cousin. Yeah. Uh-huh. Dude, well, sister, was, not sister. Either way, she was hot. Dude, Jamie Presley. Yeah, Jamie Presley <laughs> was. Forget about it. Forget about it. Jamie Poison Presley. Poison Ivy too. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Really? Poison Ivy too. Yeah, the first one was Drew Barrymore. The sequel was Jamie Presley. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Even um, Sigal shows up. Yeah. So, all right. So we, I got a heart out. Uh, I got to put my daughter to sleep. So. Um, all right, Pete, this has been great. Thank you so much, man. This was such another great episode. You're just the best, dude. We're definitely going to have you on again and again and again. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, Shake, anything you want to say before we roll out? Uh, that's, just, that's that's my mom calling. <laughs> Put her on. Daddy, Fine. tell her of you. She can still do better. I just want to give a shout out to my mom. <laughs> yeah. I, my ears were burning. Yeah. I heard you imagine put the baby away. Yeah, I heard that your your wife settled for you, and now she's upset. All right, you gotta go help her. Why don't you just go take a shower with your (laughs) father-in-law? Why Matthew saves so much water? (laughs) We're green in this household. We share. We have guys and girls shower. We have the He-Man and Woman Haters Club in the shower form. Don't you turn that, don't you fuck the toilet. Me and your dad are taking a shower right now. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You're dancing in there. Uh, <laughs> okay. How long have you been holding on to that? by Tom Byers. Our guest was Peter Joseph McCormick III for P Part 2. Another great episode. This is the end of the episode, so we're leaving. Thank you, and uh, Working Perspectives Podcast. Subscribe to get notified and go shop. Alright, later. Do you have a message or a story inside of you that you've been waiting to tell? Have you always dreamed of writing a book but are intimidated by the complexities of the book publishing world? Perhaps you want to use a book to launch your public speaking or consulting career. If so, please reach out to Scott and Bell Publishing, located right here in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Scott and Bell Publishing handle all genres and authors with all experience levels. Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skot. B-E-L-L dot com. That's www.s is in Sam, K is in Kite, O is in October, T is in Tom, B is in Boy, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, L is in Larry dot com. That's Scott and Bell Publishing, where the authors go.